Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are taking a look at more of the Psalms of Asaph. We're looking at 77 and 78. As a reminder, the preposition in Hebrew can also be translated for Asaph by Asaph. So he may have written the majority of these Psalms. I usually accept that it means that he wrote them unless there is a reason to wonder if someone wrote it for him. For instance, with yesterday's psalm, Psalm 74, if that psalm was written after the temple was destroyed in 586, would Asaph still be alive? Maybe he wrote some of it when Jerusalem was under siege by Assyria or Egypt or the Philistines, and then somebody else finished it. Truthfully, these things don't bother me, and I just accept that these are 11 psalms are written by Asaph, and for me, it's not worth arguing about. We are in book three, and yesterday I shared that these books are darker with more lament and imprecatory. There is a sense of crisis with these psalms, but yet the psalmist still is crying out to the Lord in the midst of the crisis. Some of the psalms are for congregation and some are a personal prayer. And Psalm 77 is personal. My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. The psalmist is disturbed and he ponders and he's full of questions. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness stopped? Has his promise come to an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Then verse 10 says, Then I said, It is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. In other words, because I am grieving, I'm not thinking straight. I've been there and done that. I don't know about you. Now the psalmist is remembering what God has done. In verse 15, he writes, You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and of Joseph. If you remember the Old Testament history of the Jews, Jacob, whose name was changed by God to Israel, is the father of the nation of Israel. He had 12 sons. These sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, sort of. Joseph was the son that was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ended up in Egypt, which God used because a famine was coming and God worked through Joseph to save the people. Well, Jacob blessed Joseph's two sons, which he had in Egypt, Manasseh and Ephraim. And since the tribe of Levi became responsible for taking care of the tabernacle and the ark, they did not get a land section. They got cities throughout all of Israel. So the 12 tribes who received land were Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Manasseh, Ephraim, 
Benjamin, Gad, and Asher. So Joseph didn't get one. His two sons got land, and Levi did not get any land. The beauty of poetry is that the psalmist pointed out in just one line what it took me a paragraph to explain. The writer continues with God's mighty works through Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron are from the tribe of Levi, and how God parted the waters and led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist recognized he was not thinking straight, so he trained his mind to remember who God is and how he worked in the past, to remember the true nature of God. That is a lesson that we all can learn from. Psalm 78 continues with the concept of remembering God's faithfulness in the past in order to teach us. And the psalmist begins as if it is a wisdom psalm. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. And we will not conceal from our kids, but will tell the next generation of what God has done. Who else do you know spoke parables? It was in a different generation. Yes, it's Jesus. Jesus spoke in parables. And actually, in the book of Matthew, the gospel, Matthew, the tax collector, he's also the apostle of the Lord Jesus. He wrote in Matthew, which we call chapter 13, verses 33 through 35. Jesus spoke in parables, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Then this psalm tells the story of the nation of Israel and their failures. But again in Matthew, this time in chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we see how Jesus was tempted just like the Israelites and he was faithful. So with Psalm 78 verses 1 through 8, that sets the wisdom stage of this psalm. Then we get the story of Israel. In the first section, it's found in verses 9 through 33. Verse 18 says that Israel put God to the test by asking for food according to their desire. Verse 21 says God's anger burned against them. Why? Because in verse 22, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet God brought forth manna in abundance and he brought forth meat. In Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 4, Satan tempted Jesus. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. It said that Jesus was hungry. But Jesus did not complain. Instead, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The next section in Psalm 78 is verses 34 through 53. And here the Israelites grieved God, they tempted God, and they pained the Holy One of Israel, for they did not remember God's power nor his signs. 
In Matthew 4, verses 5 through 7, Satan says again, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down, for God will not allow you to be hurt. And Jesus said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In verses 54 through 64, God brought Israel to the Holy Land and to the holy place of worship, but they chose to worship other gods. And then with the third temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, Satan said, I'll give you all this if you worship me. Jesus said, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, in each of these sections in Psalm 78, we see the anger, the wrath, the fury, or the indignation of God. We see that in verse 21, then in verses 49 through 51, and then verses 59 through 64. Yet also in these three sections, we see the grace of God. Verse 23, yet God provided manna and meat. Verse 38, but being compassionate, God forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. And often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all of his wrath. Verse 52, but he led forth his own people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness. He led them safely so that they did not fear. Verse 65, then the Lord awoke as if from sleep. And verse 67, but God chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary. Verse 70, he also chose David, his servant, the shepherd, in order to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. Verse 71, ladies, we know that ultimate shepherd is Jesus. We know the ultimate king is Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of King David from the tribe of Judah. In the New Testament, from Peter the Apostle, in his first letter, chapter 2, verses 21 through 25, the Apostle Peter tells Christian followers that Christ suffered for us, leaving an example for us to follow in his steps of suffering. And this Jesus, who committed no sin, which we saw in Matthew 4, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth, even while being reviled, he did not revile back. When suffering, he uttered no threats. But Jesus kept entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And he himself bore our sin in his body, on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. For you and the Israelites were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Sometimes I wonder if we have grasped this fact But when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, he bore the wrath of God upon himself. There is a Christian song called In Christ Alone by Keith and Kristen Getty. 
In that second verse of this song, it says, In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. Oh, ladies, let's never lose the awe of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In W. Robert Godfrey's book, Learning to Love the Psalms, he categorizes these two psalms as crisis and remembering redemption. Just like the Israelites, we have crisis. I know my life, I have one over and over and over again. I would guess you may be similar. But like the psalmist, let's remember that redemption comes through the line of King David. It comes through Jesus. Let's never forget. And let's make sure, as these psalms say, that we tell the story to the next generation so that they can know of the wonders of God, especially the wonders of Jesus. So ladies, what is God saying to you today? If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey like the psalmist. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.